For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Guns are illegal to have in New York. You'll get three and a half years in prison if you do it. So Three square a day. No, that's actually kind of not true. <laughs> you get three square, man. Yeah. Three hot milks. Yeah, that's oh, all I need. <laughs> all the Salisbury steak I can crave. <laughs> Old prison's so good to be mod. They give me three hot milks a day. <laughs> I got my own dumbbell I can lift. And also, sometimes I can run away from the people trying to rape me. Oh. So my quads are really cut. <laughs> three hot milks. Oh, my goodness. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is the last podcast. On the left, I am Ben Kissel, as always, with Marcus Parks. Hello. It's a St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's a lovely day. Wouldn't you believe it? I drank so much last night, I can't find my family. Oh, isn't that sad? You drove, you, you I'm dr- the luckiest Irishman there's ever been. Perfect. Um, all right, well, that's great. I'm so happy. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so this funny. Place, this this if, holiday is, is liquid vomit. If there was I any, this holiday. If it wasn't about white people, it would be considered the most racist holiday on earth. Oh, yeah. The whole point is that you get drunk and vomit before noon. Because that's what the Irish would do. <laughs> Apparently. Because they were so there- happy. They, they, were, they were so happy they got rid of the snakes. Yeah. Which, in the end, if David Icke is going to be told that the reptilians is a Jewish uh, is a Jewish uh, euphemism, uh-huh. what are snakes? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I mean, but there has to be a sober Irishman somewhere, right? Only because he went through a pro Program or he's just, uh, like he parked his car in his living room. I'm a sober half Irishman. There we go. All right, yeah. that'll count. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Oi. Marcus. Heidi, thank you. All right. Oh my God. So today's subject is amazing. We've been waiting a long time to talk about this. Ooh, boy. Um, Ooh. Roswell, New Mexico. Something happened there. Ooh. You know what I'll say about Roswell? Uh, the Roswell incident. <laughs> if we're going to be uh, correct. Uh, there's a lot of source material. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff out there. Believe me, every time we put together one of these alien episodes, the idea always is that this one's going to be tight. This right. one is going to be the one where we tell the story where everybody understands what happened. This is going to be the J-Lo's ass of alien conspiracy <laughs> podcast. No, I thought J-Lo's ass is good because it's loose. No, it's tight and big. No. Yes, you See, want... I like a bigger, looser butt. You like a Nicki Minaj. Mm. That, that's also tight. No, because the no. whole point is for it, it to claps. feel like it's... I want it to be clapping about We'll do a whole episode on it. <laughs> Not having anything to do with the Roswell incident. Roswell is like the 9-11 of the UFO conspiracy world. It mm-hmm. is the center of the hub of where all, all UFO conspiracy comes out of yeah, this motherfucker. It's alternately called by some researchers a watershed moment in human history and, quote, a boil on the ass of UFOlogy by others. According, of course, it is the 
most talked about, most written about, and most famous alien encounter that has ever been. Now, the extremely short version of the Roswell incident is thus. In 1947, an interplanetary craft of unknown origin crashed in southeastern New Mexico, 33 miles southeast of the small town of Corona. Yes, and that's why Corona. Some, most people, UFO uh, mm-hmm. purists, believe that it should be called the Corona incident rather than the Roswell incident because Roswell was just the town where the incident was originally reported. But that's also because Roswell had a police station. Yeah. <laughs> and well, if you. Roswell you, was also the county seat. I'm also going to put it this way. Way. You can't have a gigantic international UFO incident if all you are is a Fuddruckers next to a liquor store. Well, those Fuddrucker <laughs> managers, they could get to some investigating. I you know the problem is investigating is more like uh, I bet that uh, night waitress Stacy's hiding tips in her vagina. That's possible. I better go find it using my finding gloves, <laughs> which are just his hands. Right. <laughs> now, if the Roswell incident is true, if it happened the way UF researchers have claimed that it did. It is, it is simultaneously the most impressive and the sloppiest cover-up in the history of the United States of America. Well, you guys had a CIA fucking spook in here like two weeks ago. I can still smell the iguana juice all over this chair. But the, it sounds like CIA guys are heavily trained yes. and, they, and they are m- built to respond to many incidents. But I think most of the time CIA guys are just like really great improvers. They and are. they just roll with stories to mm-hmm. see where they can kind of push it and then if if they can they can just let it lie they'll let it lie well, they, mm-hmm. well, apparently one of the conspiracy uh, angles on Roswell one of the all of them they're every single conspiracy angle that is available is available here on this on the Roswell incident mm-hmm. but one, one of the things that they want to say is that this is where it was born where the CIA, CIA realized hey if we just allow people to believe in UFOs Feed we can, it, yeah. yeah that we can we can hide our entire secret space program. Right. Like every single p- experimental plane, we can fly it all over Chicago, and everyone's gonna be like, it's a UFO, and it'll be fine <laughs> for them. They can just hide it. Mm-hmm. But now they're realizing that the UFO phenomenon went out of control. All right. Now, from what I can tell, there are two ways to tell this story. There's the grim and gritty 90s action movie version via Philip Corso's book, The Day After Roswell, or. The super fun 50 sci-fi version, as told Ooh. by Stanton Friedman and the rest of the gang at the International UFO Museum and Research. We're Marcus. trying to ma- we're trying to mash them together, though. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, can you mash them together, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, we will say we're definitely mashing them together. Uh, but a lot of the information that we get today uh, comes from two books that I picked up personally at the International UFO Museum and Research Center actually located in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, Roswell, by the way, an oasis in a desert of meth. I mean, Mm. if Roswell (laughs) didn't have the International UFO Museum, if it didn't have this whole alien story, it would be like Hobbes or Clovis or or Tucumcari or Aztec or Truth or Consequences. Oh, that sounds cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these uh, like southeastern New Mexico is uh, just a, a meth, Hellhole. Yeah. Uh, but Roswell, they have a McDonald's shaped like a UFO. You see? 
So this is why we cannot give these incidents to Corona. <laughs> right. Because if we gave them to Corona, all of the people who would be traveling around the world to come see the UFOs would just be stuck in New Mexico with a crippling methamphetamine addiction. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Cactus Jack, one of my favorite pro wrestlers, is from Truth or Consequences. And really? it's also the legal name of the mayor of Corona. <laughs> That's Cactus Jack. Well, you have two names, you're mayor now. <laughs> oh, the books that we're uh, using here, Witness to Roswell... And UFO Crash at Roswell, the chronological pictorial 2. The authors, Tom Carey and Donald Schmidt, considered, uh, both of them considered to be the foremost experts on the Roswell incident, even if the two, bigs, the two books contradict each other multiple times when they aren't contradicting themselves in the same book. Contradiction is sort of going to be the name of the game when it comes to the <laughs> Roswell incident. Yeah. There are many, many different storylines. And we are attempting, what we're trying to do with this first episode is tell the entire story as believed by UFO researchers. Right. And... In doing that, we have had to really pin down the the exact storyline, which is very difficult. Right, it's extremely difficult because also also possibly up to six different crashes that are a part of the Roswell incident, and that technically the the main one is one crash that we're going to go into right now. Founded but found the wreckage found by Mister Brazel, who is of the New, New Mexico character himself. Um, but there are probably up to like five other crashes. There very well could be, and we're going to be using one word more than any other word, and more than we've used it in any other episode. That word is. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> We're going to be using allegedly and uh, quote unquote is going to be used quite a bit as well. That's All what right. keeps our asses safe legally. <laughs> I see. I was hoping for Quiznos. We don't talk about how they toast their bread enough. Quiznos is disgusting. Yeah, it's it is kind of gross. Yeah. yeah, it's like dog food on two pieces of styrofoam. <laughs> well, they have a pepper bar. I do love a pepper bar. <laughs> no, UFO activity in the southeastern New Mexico area actually began the night before the crash on July 1st, 19. 19- 47. Now, allegedly, radar activities in Roswell, Albuquerque, White Sands, and Alamogordo began tracking object whose speed, acceleration, and maneuvers far outpaced anything seen on Earth up to that point. And the next night, on Wednesday, July 2nd, at 9 p.m., Mr. and Mrs. Dan Wilmot saw an object fly over their house that was shaped, quote, like two inverted saucers, Faced mouth to mouth mm. to lend more. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. having sex. That's how you make extra Is that saucers. What you, do you call the top of a bowl? Do you call it the mouth of the bowl? Mm. Yeah. That's how they make them. The problem with people describing UFOs back in the day is that nobody really knew what to say about it. Now right. we have the flying saucer thing. You always hear people. Struggling with the description, it sounds a lot of right. times. There's like it was a pendulene type, oh jibbity jabbity, hot air balloon. No, a jibbity jabbity. <laughs> that sounds more of a sound. But, but that's what I mean. But a sound, but like a thing I saw. Oh, you know I see. Like if you if could hear sounds. was a visual image. You know how when you see the color red, you think of the number four? Yes, I do know about that's that. That's me. That's what I have. Do you smell smoke right now? No, oh, no, no, no. That's me just wearing this green shirt. That's what green smells like. Oh, I see. So, yeah, the Wilmots did see that, like, they did actually say, like, yes, before the entire Roswell thing came out a few days ago, or a few days afterwards, them and a few other witnesses did actually report seeing something weird in the sky. So an hour and a half after the Wilmots 
saw the strange lights in the sky, the same radar that picked up the craft the night before witnessed the same object pulsating and throbbing before streaking from one side of the screen to the other only to explode. And at the Hmm. same time, a severe lightning and thunderstorm was pulverizing Foster Ranch outside of Corona, New Mexico, where a poor, simple ranch hand named Mac Brazel was watching the storm with his wife from a no-electricity, no-running-water, one-room shack. They must have been so relieved when there was lightning storms because then they could they could see things at night. That is kind of fun. God's flashlight. <laughs> now, Mac, along with other ranchers in the area, said they heard a sound that night much louder than a clap of thunder and much more like an explosion. Now, back in Roswell, a man named William Woody and his father along with Mother Superior Mary Bernadette and Sister Capistrano, reputable all people, Bill Woody, Mother Superior, and Sister Capistrano. Who doesn't trust them? I don't. (laughs) I mean, you could trust them to, you could could trust them as witnesses, but they're terrible at a party. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) These three, or actually four, Bill Woody and his father, plus the two nuns, they witnessed a flaming object, white with a red contrail, Descending from the sky. And another man named Corporal E.L. Piles mm-hmm. witnessed the exact same thing from a separate vantage point. Mm. Now, all of these witnesses, they all independently reported this before this went national. Exactly. Right? This Which was is very even be- interesting. Even before it went local. Okay. Even yeah. before it went local? <laughs> oh, my. Well, yeah. be great. Yeah, this was days before because the right. actual crash itself, this is uh, July 2nd. The actual crash itself didn't even uh, become, like, there wasn't even a press release of it until July 8th. So we know these flying saucers are up there kissing in air having sex. <laughs> yes. It seems to me like these aliens were maybe messing around. Maybe it was teenage aliens having a good time on a joy cruise and then they crashed four or five days later? Is that or possible? they were heavily investigating what is our gigantic, our, our pantheon of underground bases deep within the deserts of New Mexico. You don't think they were investigating the Corona tra- trailer parks? <laughs> yeah, I mean they were definitely looking for it's like we heard there was a water slide here and uh, we find it funny that you are lacking in water, but you use it for amusement instead. You are doomed. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> now, the next day, on July 3rd, at 1 p.m., police and multiple civilian witnesses see several discs flying in formation over Portland, Oregon, while a whole carload of witnesses reported seeing four of the same type of object not three hours away in Redmond. And at the same time, United Airlines Captain E.J. Smith and his Mm. co-pilot reported five discs during their flight immediately followed by a second formation of four Discs. Now, if you if you believe Frank Kaufman, who looks like the Quaker Oats man with the <laughs> 1950s uh, army haircut, he arrived with a cladicide group called the Nine in New Mexico at this point in time and went to the Roswell Air Force Base as a part of a weird sort of doughy version of the Expendables and was mm-hmm. brought there to to analyze UFO information they were getting. That's that's a whole alternate timeline. Yeah, that's if you believe Frank Kaufman. Frank Kaufman. <laughs> Who um, was known? I mean, at- I'm not. We're not even going to come out and say right now. Yeah, let's go ahead and say that some of these UFO people are more credible than others. Ever, others. Most are. <laughs> yeah. M- more, 
Most are not credible. I'm going to go, Stanton Friedman, he's a nuclear physicist. I'm going to go ahead and take his word over Frank Kaufman. What's Frank Kaufman's day job? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's, I trust technically, him. he's a he's a man who travels between intelligent offices. Yeah. You always trust a guy named Frank. <laughs> so, while all of these things are in the sky over the Pacific Northwest, military facilities in Washington and Oregon go on extremely high alert. And while the Pacific Northwest was in an absolute tizzy over those flying objects, the aforementioned sheep herder, Mac Brazel, was tending to his flock with a young boy named Dee Proctor. Now, Dee is somewhat lost to history, and with good reason. Every attempt at interviewing Dee Proctor before he died a morbidly obese alcoholic in Rio Dosa, New Mexico in 2006, failed. Hmm. He had an almost pathological fear of even discussing the Roswell incident and was said to literally run out of a room at even the slightest mention of it. Which was difficult for him because he was 450 pounds. <laughs> yeah, they should have kept on mes- uh, mentioning it and, and then he would have lost some weight. All of a sudden he was in the, like, the 1984 Olympics. Yeah, that would be great. Or like uh, Mike Tyson's punch out, the cutaway scenes where you would bike and the trainer would chase you. <laughs> Roswell, Roswell, Roswell. No, God. Well, what we're going to learn later on is that if um, a part of what gives credence t- for me for this whole story is the treatment that the U.S. government gave a lot of these uh, these first responders, these people that were the first eyewitnesses to Roswell, mm-hmm. they um, were pretty heavily worked over and 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 told that they were going to be murdered. They were uh, no well, allegedly terms. told. Allegedly, that they were. <laughs> yes, because yeah. one very important thing to remember about Roswell is that there's a reason why our main source is called Witness to Roswell because that's all there is. Mm-hmm. It's all witnesses, firsthand, secondhand, sometimes thirdhand accounts. Oh, so you're saying we need physical proof? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dog meat. Your mind is far weaker than I thought it was. What about yeah. reality? You know what I mean? Yeah, reality. what about reality? Just think about it. And that's, again, also your problem. I am thinking about it. That's your problem. You're Definitely. thinking about it. You see how I said for you to think about it? Uh-huh. And then I took it away from you. That's, that's reality. Good. It just became my reality. You're just living in it. Yeah, I feel like if you see an alien spacecraft and it lands in your backyard, you have to react the same way I react when I see someone peeing on the subway, look away. <laughs> you just don't don't mention it, never think about it, and never look at it. Yeah. And then you're safe. So back in 1947, as the salty old ranch hand and his young boy assistant herded their flock toward the ranch's only water source, because remember, this is southeastern New Mexico, absolute mm. desert, kind of mixed with plains, but for the most part... Pretty barren, the two found they were blocked by a field of debris three quarters of a mile long mm. and two to three hundred feet wide that his sheep refused to cross. Which is very yeah. interesting. There's a very, the, the beginning of the Roswell incident starts with literally laziness, a farmer's <laughs> laziness. He, well, got, he couldn't handle no, it. It's not laziness. It actually is strikingly biblical. Yeah. You it's know, a sheep think, issue. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's there's it's always a sheep herder that finds the next level of intelligence. Yeah. It? it just seems like sheep herders spend a lot of time alone, and they're sick of talking to sheep. Well, I agree <laughs> with so that. so they make up fanciful stories in their head. 
of being like, there's one time I saw a Jew who could fly and his holes in his hands I could see I could see through chicks' clothes. What he would do is that Jesus, he called himself Jesus. I think it was Jesus because he was brown. And he uh-huh. said, if you look through these holes in my hand, you could see a girl's boobies. He know what I did. And I did. Well, I don't want to know what you did because I'm complicit. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. 
Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at Babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, cut into the middle of the debris field was a 500-foot gouge. 10 feet wide, but only a few inches deep. Although it looked like the skid of an aircraft, there were no marks to indicate jet propulsion, but whatever had gouged the land had been so hot that it allegedly crystallized the sand into glass. God damn. Mm. Yeah, and they found there's a bunch of examples of that, of of that glass that was created out on the... in the debris field. It's very interesting. This is where we talk about the mixture between uh, the psychic and physical experience of aliens. And this is, mm. I, I don't know, I think it's i think it's interesting. Well, that, well, the reason why the Roswell incident is so important to UFO lore and the reason why it's really survived in the minds of UFOlogists for so many years is because it's the only one <laughs> that at any point had any physical evidence whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it was this debris, this supposed debris field uh, but you know, any other time, it's you know, people see lights in the sky, or they've been abducted for days at a time. The Roswell incident is the only time there's been that there is a possibility of physical evidence, the holy grail of ufology. So it was a, it was a just an, uh, a few inches deep the gouge because the spacecraft itself is so light. Yeah, and it skips, yeah. and also it's an, it technically, if we want to believe what they say about these, you these supposed UFOs, alleged UFOs, is that they work using gravity engines. Yeah. So literally. Mm-hmm. They're lighter. They, they, that's how they, they basically create a hole in gravity in front of them, and then that absence of gravity pulls them through space. Cool. Yeah. And Brazel, who still needed to get his sheep to water, led them around the edge of the gouge where he found a 10-foot piece of wreckage, which he loaded up into his cart and stored in his livestock shed. Later on, Brazel was drinking in a local bar, and happened to mention that he was going to need help cleaning up a bunch of trash strewn around Foster's ranch that was turning out to be a huge pain in his ass. Sheep aren't crossing. I got to take them around it every time. I got to get somebody out there to clean up all this bullshit. Brazel, if you'll remember, had no electricity, much less a TV or radio, Mm. and depended on a monthly newspaper to find out what was going on in the world. He had absolutely no idea about mm. the UFO stereo sweeping the nation in the late 40s. No, yeah, because the mm. newspapers aren't, you know, what's he going to read a newspaper? <laughs> not, I don't know. What yeah, are they going to do? They're going to say, like, hey, remember to feed the horses tomorrow morning, Mac. <laughs> Once like, a month. Yeah, like, no. Technically, he is the biggest story of the month. He's a, he so is, he is the it. story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. have to. Yeah, he's making his own. He's, he slaps his knees to have a good time. Literally, he's just like, I like to see how, how long I can slap him and how fast I can slap him. <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite hobby. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's, it's called ham boning. Oh. See? Yeah. <laughs> do you see? <laughs> it does sound like a good time. Yeah. yeah. In America, in the late 40s. I mean, there really was a, an hysteria of UFO right. sightings. This is a, this is the absolute height of UFO sightings. People are reporting it left and right. And we're also, I mean, we're coming right out of World War II. And the U.S. government is actually testing quite a bit of experimental uh, aircraft and experimental missiles. All right. shit that we stole from the Nazis. Literally, Operation Paperclip is going strong at this period mm-hmm. in time. We got Werner Braun, the mad German scientist, is going to take us to the moon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Tech- 
technically... And he did take us to the moon. It's true. Apollo 11 technically should have had a swastika on the side of it, <laughs> and it probably did until the last 10 minutes, and finally they were like, hey, guys, maybe we should scrape it off. We've got cameras everywhere. <laughs> oh, man. And Werner's just like, how will the plane crash without the flow of the Vril energy? <laughs> they're like, no, Werner, Werner, you know it's rocket fuel. We're calling it rocket fuel. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I also find interesting, I was going to bring it up before, there's a man named Chuck Wade who's also a huge part of the Roswell story, uh, and his father owned the bar that Mac Brazell uh, would drink at. And a part of it was their connection, that, that, that farmer connection, and Chuck Wade's Opinion was that the reason why, because that was one of my one of my things that I was kind of racking my brains about is being like, if these aliens are m- millennia ahead of us technology wise, why do they keep crashing? Right. How come we can keep helicopters in the sky and helicopters are essentially knives with a basket yeah, that's <laughs> underneath much it, it yeah. with with gasoline running through it? Right. Right. How do how do we do that? But aliens keep crashing. And what Chuck Wade's theory is is that these radar facilities were being used offensively. We found out accidentally that they could be used to take down UFOs. And what they did was they they were taking down UFOs in the New Mexico area using radar. I think they were drunk. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. But so but this, that's another that's another side quest if you just want right. to type in Chuck Wade and see what happens to you there or Frank Kaufman and see you right. waste your days like I fucking did. I have to say these are the bar conversations I fantasized about being a part of as a child before you could go to the bar and then you actually go to the bar and it's just a bunch of idiots yelling about the Packers and yeah. how the Vikings are I, Yeah, I always wanted someone to be in like, <sighs> you know, a dead body. Doesn't dance like it did when it was alive. <laughs> That's a good bar conversation, but so rarely do they occur. But they they struck gold with this one. Oh, they absolutely did because Brazel's talking about all this debris. He has no idea about the UFO Syria. But one of the guys at the bar says, "Like you know, they're giving a three thousand dollar reward for anybody who's got a seatbelt from a UFO." <laughs> and Brazel's yeah. just like, "Hmm, money makes." Grain come to the farm. <laughs> Grain makes the pigs all fat and squiggly, which makes the pushing that much more smiley. It all comes back to him having sex with the livestock, Henry. Is that right? <laughs> a little bit. Because Scott tells him, he's like, yeah, there's $3,000. There's a newspaper out there. You know, if you got evidence, they're going to give you three grand. Wow. Uh, and, you know, to top it off, has also needed he literally needed someone to help him clean all this bullshit up. Yeah, he right. just needed someone to come. He literally was just like any one of y'all just yeah, come and help drag me yeah. off this fucking But pit. so in order to possibly get some of this reward or at least see what was going on with it, uh Brazel gathered up some of it in a shoebox and took it into Roswell, New Mexico, the very next day. And the first person Brazel went to see was the local sheriff. George Wilcox. Now this is on July seventh, so he's this shit's been sitting out there for like a couple of days. Yeah, mm-hmm. he went out there and he probably kicked it with his boot a couple of times. <laughs> right, and it was like the weird liquid metal, so it was like form around his boot and going. And then like a weird radio is going like like a weird fucking like music from the from the cabana. What is that? The cantina. It's all yeah, all that weird cantina Star Wars music coming out of it, and he's just like, I can't handle this shit anymore. Yeah, it's craziness. So. In one version of the story of the first interaction between Sheriff Wilcox and Mac Brazel, Wilcox sent out deputies right away to the site. 
The Wilcox said, like, all right, we got to get people out of there. Or we got to get people out there. We got to see what's going on. But in another version of the story. That's in the 1950s sci-fi version yeah, where he's just like, aliens, and that's right next to communists. You mean like, <laughs> right. And then they go out to go stop it. But, yeah, no, in real life, he showed up and George was like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, right. George, George might as well have been making the jerk-off motion with his hand the entire time Mac was talking. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, Mac, whatever. And he didn't even know Mac, you know, because Mac lived 75 miles outside of Roswell, New Mexico. Mac he's never a, came to Roswell. He's, he's a ju- coyote person. <laughs> right. He's from the desert. He's, you don't believe his stories. I'm actually kind of happy to hear the sheriff didn't jump up and go do his job after all the stories we've had with children being abducted and sexually abused and <laughs> sheriffs not doing anything. If this sheriff had just been like, well, this is what I was hired by the people to solve, <laughs> I would kind of be upset. No, no, he's just like, yeah, whatever this, because, you know, Mac had no running water, no electricity. He was a, he smelled like shit. Cheap shit right. all the time. And so Wilcox is like, yeah, 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 whatever. But then Wilcox gets a phone call from Frank Joyce, a young announcer from the local radio station KGFL. He was calling Wilcox to see if he had any hot tips. It was a very slow news day in Roswell, New Mexico. Frank Choice looks sort of like an unattractive Truman Capote. <laughs> oh, my goodness. An unattractive... <laughs> yes. Capote had a certain charm to him. <laughs> I guess, like a reptilian turtleish charm. Like a Pillsbury yeah, you know. Doughboy meets a... with a cock. <laughs> yeah. Something like an, that. An anatomically correct Pil- Pillsbury Doughboy. Mm, yeah. So... Wilcox immediately passed Brazel over to Joyce, saying like, yeah, yeah, I got a guy with a fucking story for you. Go listen to this fucking sheep farmer. Mm. And after listening to a short version of Brazel's story, Joyce curtly suggested that Brazel immediately call the local army airfield to report his discovery to them, and with very good reason. For Roswell Army Airfield was home to the 509th Bomb Wing. And this is true. They were the only nuclear-armed airstrike force in the world at the time. It was the 509th who dropped the bomb on Japan. And it was out of Roswell Army Air Force that the top-secret Trinity atom bomb tests had happened just two years before 50 miles outside of Roswell. So basically, they were outside of the Roswell Air Force Base, which is staffed by some of the most ridiculously competent, if not extraordinary people, like scientists, and also... It's spook central. Yeah. Like, literally... I don't know why you keep saying the word spook. Because that's what they are. That's what they are. CIA agents. Spooks, yeah. yeah. Spooks. They're very nice, and I do panel with a lot of them. Oh, I am not. We are not oh, doing very, this. Oh, we're, not, very, we're, very, not, yeah. we're not doing this. This I've is not. This Fox is not, News does not come well, onto I, this television. I know. <laughs> Bleep this it is out. a Fox News free zone. Bleep yeah. it out, Marcus. Yeah, they are spooks. <laughs> CIA people are nothing Panelists. but tricksters. The whole point is that they are liars. They're professional liars. Well, I, I will mean, say the atom bomb that we dropped, they failed miserably, both of them, for the most part. Only like 3% of the bombs exploded. So they weren't that smart. We well, killed a lot of people. Could have killed bombs. more. That's all I'm saying. Could have killed a lot more. But what I'm saying is that you're ba- what he, they don't realize that when he just, he just says go call the Air Force Base and go talk to the to the oh our boys in blue over there, you're literally talking to the original like the OSS 
army. Like the people that was before before the CIA were like with George Bush's fucking grandfather. Yeah. Like mm. weird shit over there. And they're staffed by like this is staffed by like leftovers from the Manhattan Project. Like these are some of the most brilliant minds in the military at this time. Yeah. Which kinda makes you wonder why they handled it exactly. Why they I don't know why it. no record producer has gotten an all-black boy band together and called them the Manhattan Project. <laughs> no, there was a... The, oh, no, I'm thinking of the Manhattan Transfer. Mm. Manhattan Transfer is very different. <laughs> <laughs> so after Joyce seemed to take the case a little more seriously than Sheriff Wilcox thought it should be taken, the sheriff... He was the one that called up Roswell AAF, after which the base dispatched the man without whom we would have no Roswell story whatsoever, Major Jesse Marcel. And you can literally see Sheriff Wilcox being like, you really want me to call it in? <laughs> and him go like, God damn it. And him taking off his hat and then picking up the phone, staring at me like, am I really calling this in? They're like, you've got to. You've got to, Sheriff Wilcox. we got to stop these aliens from making everybody gay. And he's just like, all right. And he's like, Pah. <laughs> like slowly dialing the phone. <laughs> Sighing in between each. <sighs> So that afternoon, Marcel, along with fellow counterintelligence officer Sheridan Cav Cavett, traveled out to Foster Ranch with Mac Brazel, but because of the terrible conditions of the roads, the men arrived too late in the day to inspect the site. The three instead spent the night in Mac's shack eating cold beans and crackers. Which in New Mexico is just what you do when you wait. Yeah, I think so. Everybody's got waiting beans and waiting crackers. <laughs> right. We call it visiting. They could have warmed up the beans. No, 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 no. no, no. They had no, fire, right? There was no lightning that night. They're, oh, I see. So you just got to hope that the lightning strikes your beans, and then, honey, we got warm beans tonight. And, and the main thing is you got to hope that none of your bushes are wet. And that's not even me being fun and sassy. I mean, the bushes can't can't be physically wet or the lightning won't catch. Oh, I see. <laughs> so early the next morning, the three awoke and headed out to the site, Jesse Marcel in a Jeep and Cav Cavett on horseback. And this is what Jesse Marcel had to say in 1978 about what they saw when they got there. I was amazed at what I saw. The amount of debris that was scattered over such an area. It took me a while to realize that there's something strange about it. But uh, the more I saw the fragments, the more I realized that uh, it wasn't anything that I was acquainted with. I will say he actually sounds more articulate than I expected. Yeah, well, he's, he's, I a, mean, he's a high. What do you mean more articulate than he expected? You called it a meth. It's a meth desert. Well, no, because I mean, he's just stationed in New Mexico. He oh, didn't grow I up in New Mexico. Oh, I mean, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, people these are from New Mexico are fucked. Oh, okay. <laughs> people that work at the highly, highly secret bases around New Mexico were all highly competent, and most of them I German. <laughs> oh, okay. Now here's what they found among the debris, specifically. They found small to palm-sized pieces of smooth, very thin, very light, but extremely strong pieces of aluminum-like metal that could not be cut, scratched, bent, or burned. Hmm. They also found a number of thin I-beams measuring 18 to 30 inches long by half an inch wide by three-eighths of an inch thick 
light as balsa wood. But not balsa wood. <laughs> okay. Light no. as light balsa as balsa wood. Bal- right. Balsa wood is very fragile, can be broken very easily. Mm. This could not be. These little eye beams also bore writing in the form of unintelligible symbols that resembled hieroglyphics. What they said it looked hmm. like is it looked like hieroglyphics without the animals. Yes. There's no animals in space. That's letters, though. <laughs> yeah. There are animals in space, aliens. Well, no, They're aliens' those... pets. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think aliens have pets, from no. what I understand. We are the pets. Yeah. Are we the pets? Yeah. Oh, so you remember ghost cats from the south? Do you remember the alien cats? Hmm. You remember nothing. (laughs) No, I remember alien cats. Of course I do. (laughs) They also found thread-like monofilament wires that could not be damaged, a small seamless black box that could not be opened, Hmm. and a seamless flange or strut that could not be cut, scratched, bent, or burn. And the thing that's really interesting, this is the one that people always talk about. It's called memory metal. That's what they call it in ufology. Mm-hmm. And it was this very thin, very light metal or cloth with fluid-like properties. Henry, please, quote-unquote metal or quote-unquote cloth with quote-unquote fluid-like Property. But he was said it was said allegedly that the material could be crumpled, but when placed in a flat surface, would return to its original shape like liquid mercury, showing not a single crease. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, this is that actually this memory metal is what uh, Roswell experts refer to, and most ufologists refer to as the holy grail of uh, UFO uh, research. Chuck Wade says he knows the, a guy who's got it. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. So oh, he's, got a, he's got a guy? He knows a guy who's got it, and he has several pieces of inch-long aluminum foil pieces that he says that are a part of the flanges uh-huh. of the... Again, I'm not even sure what a flange is. <laughs> a flange is a good way to call a piece of a, of a, of a crash something a part of it without actually knowing anything right. about a plane. Yeah. But so you just kind of ball it up and then it unballs back out. and then so yeah. that's kind of you ball it up and it unballs in a liquid mer- in a quote unquote fluid like manner without cool. showing any crease. We have nothing like this, but right. you know the super strong aluminum, the super strong metal. You could kind of explain that away. We do have you know extremely strong uh, metals around, but we have nothing like the liquid metal, no. which is why they say that if we had this, it would be proof of extraterrestrial uh, involvement with Earth affairs. And there are many people who talk about this memory metal. There, there are many witnesses, especially children, that were involved with this. Because basically, once the cops went out there and um, Marcel first went out there and they were digging up, the, they were moving the all of the debris off the field. There were kids just literally running around playing with shit. Yeah. And they were like, let him do it. And one, there was a girl that was a farmer, a local farmer came to help remove the debris from the field. And she remembers picking up the metal and watching it melt in her hand. And then she threw it on the ground. She was like, ha ha ha, that's fun. Like kids do when they don't realize that they are a part of something fucking deeply cryptic and secret. Yeah. And then they were apparently approached, uh, allegedly approached by the CIA afterwards, a man with a baseball bat, um, started talking to her, pulled her out onto her front porch, slapped his bat against his hand, and said, you know, a lot of little girls go missing in the desert. That was Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like people say, um, you know, you can get, uh, what is it, uh, with with autism. If you get the vaccination, you can get autism. It mm-hmm. seems like all these silver-lipped kids guaranteed to be autistic. Flipper right? babies, but, yeah, but, but with autism. They're, they're flipper babies on, on the inside. Yeah. So Major Marcel, who... 
by the way, should have known better than to pull something like this. He started loading up the trunk of his car full of this alien debris. Well, we're just, let me move out the vacuum and I got a car jack in here and just being like, is this a floating... This some kind of head of a bald Chinese man we found out here. All right, but a ding, 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 just throw it in right. the trunk. Yeah, it seems like it's. You know what? To steal a term we always often use here, willy nilly. They're just kind of yeah. going. Where's the? Where is the? Um, There's importance. The, uh, Cavett, after he cl- loaded up all of his shit in the trunk of his car, he showed up at his house at two a.m. and shook his wife and eleven-year-old son awake and mm. made them come into the kitchen. To look at the shit and play with the shit. Because at the time, it wasn't classified No, yet. right. So he wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong. He was just showing his wife and kid some cool shit that he found out in the desert. Well, he said if this was really alien-based, if this was non-terrestrial material, this is going to be the only time they'd get to see it because it's about right. to become classified in a hot second. I'm yeah. I mean, him- God knows if you're giving everybody cancer or not, but he didn't even <laughs> right. think about that. But this guy is father of the year. I got to say, if you get woken up by your father and he shows you alien materials, very cool dad. I I, I mean, I don't know. Getting woken up at 2 a.m. by your dad to tell you about something that he found in the desert that day. It sounds like something your dad. Yeah, would you do. would love that, Marcus. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, you'd think, you would. You'd think I would have. <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> so, according to Mary Cavett, the wife of Cav Cavett, the other officer involved in the initial recovery of the debris, the Cavets and the Marcells got together for their weekly bridge game Mm. a few days after the Roswell incident hoopla had settled down. And as the wives waited in the front room, Cavett and Marcel stood in the kitchen, hunched over a pot with the stove turned up full blast. And inside the pot was a piece of wreckage that Marcel had kept for himself that the two men were trying and failing to damage. And after Cabot reminded Marcel that the piece was indeed now top secret and that they should not have it in their house, in a pot, on their stove, mm. the two men stepped out onto the patio with the debris and returned empty-handed to join their wives at their bridge game. The desert's the perfect place to get rid of things you're not supposed to have because then what you do is just throw it into the desert. Right. <laughs> Well, they, uh, Chuck Way talks about this too. Is that he said when he was bringing, in order for him to get uh, metallurgy, I don't know how do you metal metallurgical 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 metallurgical. In order to get this test done on the debris that he had, he had to saw it off using a circular saw. But he said the problem is that when he was holding the metal using the circular saw on it to cut the section of it off, the metal would heat up. So bad that he gave him second degree burns on his fingers. He could have worn he a could, glove. It was very difficult for him to cut it. Yeah, he said it was very difficult for him to damage. So Chuck Wade is a whistleblower. <laughs> All right, very good. <laughs> Chuck Wade's also seventy two years old, and his entire talk when I was watching it was with Project Camelot. If you know anything about Project Camelot, and you start watching any of those hours long interviews, they're very scatterbrained. They're all over the place. <laughs> and Chuck Wade the whole time is going... <laughs> 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 got a bit of a phlegm problem. Huh? Would you even believe there was up to seven sites in the alleged Roswell sites number six? <laughs> and he was him. And then yeah, it was hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the odd thing about the Roswell story is that in some version, 
The Army is a rabid, hyper-vigilant force on top of every aspect of the story. And in others, though, they seem to be almost cavalier and just fancy-free about the entire situation. Well, this is where maybe you want to start believing about the Chuck Wade story. What he believes is that he, the government knew they had hit some of the UFOs and knew where they were to crash. And so what they did was, was stuff like the, there was a young boy named Michael Anderson that had found a UFO crashed outside of, it's not St. Augustine? It was, I forget, it was one of the other... One of the other crash sites around the Roswell area. And basically found a saucer stuck in the dirt with an alien splattered on a wall like Wiley Coyote, which is how he described it. And, but the the army was already there. They literally just showed up and they're like, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. Took everybody's names. He's like, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your kids. We're going to kill everybody. Get the fuck oh out of here. And they were right on top of it. Where the Roswell incident, that actual crash may have been a UFO that they hit with the radar weapon and didn't realize that they had hit it because it's not specific. They just put blasts out and it's kind of like throwing dynamite in a lake to kill a, ba- <laughs> a bunch of bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like what they did to sh- kill a bunch of UFOs. And so then they it took them a couple days to catch up to this one. Yeah. Fun fishing. But still, even if it took them a couple days, they, on July 8th, and this is... I don't know. This seems to be one of the oddest parts of the story and something that I cannot figure out why they did this. The Army released an official statement, almost casually stating that a flying saucer had been captured outside of Roswell a few days before uh, by a sheep herder and mentioned Jesse Marcel by name Mm. as the man who had recovered it. And they said that he was taking it to... uh, Higher uh, headquarters. Uh, to, he had loaned it to higher headquarters for further study. Why? So the timeline is we have a six days, seven days now since the crash? Uh, five days. Five days since the crash. So th- this six ma- days. Excuse so this would make sense if the government just straight up owns it, tells the truth, and it sounds so absurd. In reality, they might have been testing something that is much more nefarious than having an alien spacecraft come down and land, right? Or, the, but the way they debunk it originally is they say is that they made a mistake. Right, they they saw something. They made a mistake. They called it a flying source, fl- called a, a flying form? saucer, yeah. and they and they sent it to their PR people before anybody double checked it. But you're also talking to some of the number one. So th- this is Air Force. There's no, not, this is Army. This is before Air, the Air Force. They still even. got planes. They're right next to the goddamn Air Force. And they're just being like, they know what it is. Mm. If they thought it was going to be a weather balloon, the first thing you'd say is a weather balloon. You'd just be like, oh, it's a fucking balloon. I mean, and, maybe it's they made just, out of liquid metal. And right. no one wants to talk about that it's fucking Colossus shit. Is it possible? Out in the middle of a debris. They just got field. the verbiage wrong, though, and they're like, maybe we shouldn't have called it a flying saucer. No, flying saucer is very obviously. Yeah, but one maybe thing. they just weren't. Maybe they didn't yeah. really like understand Whatever the phenomenon. Phenomenon that was happening. It was not a goddamn balloon. <laughs> no, it yeah. definitely wasn't a balloon. But it's right. so weird that they would actually say flying. So I almost think that it was someone like sarcastic. Someone accidentally. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a flying saucer. Yeah, why don't it- you go ahead and put out a press release and tell them that it's a flying saucer? And that Gee Willikers, <laughs> Gee Willikers, Mr. Marcel, I'll get right to the papers and do it. They're going to be way interested in this story. Aliens are everywhere. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. 
how much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Ah, Jules! Oh, Jules! Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and my own did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and I was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue Nile bling she's got on her right now get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code last podcast at blue Nile.com that's $50 off with code last podcast at blue Nile.com blue Nile.com No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry 
in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So naturally, with the U.S. in the throes of UFO mania, the story was very quickly picked up by the AP Wire and was reported in multiple evening editions of newspapers across the country. And in addition to that... Frank Joyce, the reporter who had originally suggested that Mac Brazel report the debris to the Army, had caught back up to Brazel to do an interview. What follows comes from a testimony that Joyce gave in 1998. And this is, to the best recollection of a man in his 80s, giving a testimony of Hmm. something that happened 50 years previous, is how that interview went. Oh, God. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's horrible, horrible. It is just horrible. What's that? What's horrible? What are you talking about? The stench. It's just awful. Stench? From what? What are you talking about? They're dead. Who? Who's dead? Little people. Where? Where did you find them? Someplace else. Well, you know, the military is always firing rockets and experimenting with monkeys and things, so maybe... God damn it, they're not monkeys. And they're not human. Damn it. (laughs) And the Oscar for best... Person responding to Henry goes to Marcus. <laughs> Very good, Marcus. You got it. You turned into an old timey reporter three lines in. <laughs> he was an old timey reporter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. No, I get it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. He was you an old timey radio guy. This Perfect. is this. Uh, made me briefly pause in this story again to remind you that Roswell incident's been heavily debated over the years, and this is just a toe sticking into the mud of this fucking horrible complex story and this is it is true these discre- these discrepancies are what make this both easily the most debunkable yeah. ufo case in the world a boil on the ass but also th- the the fact that these gigantic mistakes were made points to something where it's either the, our government's bad at doing a bunch of shit which we could see with ie 911 or it is a part of a long game. Technically, uh, our government was very good at 9-11. No, 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 no. 9-11 just happened by, like, it's like if I, if I figured out how to make caramel by just, like, leaving a bunch of s- sugar in the in the sun and <laughs> let it burn. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, look at that caramel. That's what they did with 9-11. They just kind of let it happen. Yeah. It's caramel. Yeah. <laughs> it's caramel. There are two, there's two different types no, of the people. Caramel. This caramel. Uh, I'm a caramel guy. Well, that well, that is what makes us essentially different and no longer friends. <laughs> <All right. laughs> now, while it seemed as if the military in Roswell might not have been taking all of this seriously enough, Washington, D.C. sure as hell was. Because it said that uh, the some of the wreckage had been on July 7th had been collected and shipped off to Washington, uh, while most of it was kept in Roswell, while they just sort of waited, like, ah, we don't know what the hell it Literally is. Literally cooked and we at it with boots and fanned at it with hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Roswell was almost like, we don't know what it is and we don't care. 
But soon after, the official Army statement was released from Roswell, and shortly before the Brazel interview was to air, KGFL, Roswell, got a phone call. And on the other end of the line was the secretary of the FCC warning the station that KGFL Roswell would lose their broadcasting license if they aired the Brazel interview, citing, quote-unquote, national security. And UFO writers, every single time they write the words national security, it's in quotes. It's always in quotes, yes. like in the name <laughs> of national, national security. security. Yeah. Man, these guys would have been great on Reddit. Bunch of snarky <laughs> shitheads. But you know what's weird is that after the fact, they're bad on Reddit. Even oh, now yeah. they're bad on it. Right. Like, we're back in the day, they would have been good. Yeah. This is such a fun time, though. The FCC regulating radio communications because they're talking about alien intelligence. Now, like, back in our back in our time, it was Howard Stern who could take the biggest dump on air. And the <laughs> yeah, FCC yeah, yeah, was like, yeah. can you not have people shit on air? The idea but was what, just, how fun. Yeah, the, the, the FCC is mostly debating as to whether or not they're allowed to show Miley Cyrus's pubic hair or Right, not. right. Is she over 18? <laughs> Is it just the pussy area right. that we need to cover, or is it the hair as well? <laughs> Does she dye it? <laughs> and soon after KGFL got the call from the FCC, the station got another call from Senator Dennis Chavez telling them the exact same thing. Now, so cool. if you want to believe Frank... Uh, Kaufman, which nobody does because essentially it's been entirely debunked. After he died, they went through all his papers and it turns out he was not a part of the Expendables. He's not a part of a thing called the Nine that he said was a part of a super clandestine group that would go investigate UFOs outside of the U.S. government. But did he write that he was lying in his personal diary? No, no, no. He just had stuff. He had, his whole office was just littered with heavily forged documents. Oh, okay. Um, and he, but his storyline is that him and Dennis Chavez were in a bunker. They were out in this big hangar that had all of the material that was left in Roswell all spread out with giant spotlights over it. And you got this message from Dennis Chavez's chauffeur that was outside waiting. Like, I sit and I wait for the senator and I go and he says, no look, no look is high, but I look so curious. I look in there, man with big head, body lying on ground. I think it was an alien or he may have been Chinese, I don't know, but I get him fresh water and I have gum in the back for him. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> but he was very, this BBC documentary with it's it's actually pretty amazing. I have to put it on the Facebook page. They yeah. have a lot of good eyewitness testimony, including many chauffeurs. <laughs> so of course, KGFL after they got the call from the FCC and after they got the call from Senator Chavez. They complied, and at the same time, a similar situation was unfolding in Albuquerque at KOAT Radio. And a woman named Lydia Sleppy, who worked at KOAT, got a call from a reporter named Johnny McBoyle, who said, Lydia, get ready for a scoop. We're going to get this <laughs> on the wire right away. Listen to this. A flying saucer crashed. It crashed near Roswell. It's a big crumpled dishpan. And get this. They're saying something about little men being on board. And I'm not talking midgets. Isn't that nice? You could, t you, you could say that back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Lydia, high on a big scoop, rushed to the teletype to disseminate the new info about little men. But before she could type even a couple of sentences, a bell rang indicating an outside interruption. What came through is as follows. Attention, Albuquerque. Do not transmit. Repeat, do not transmit the message. Stop communication immediately. National security matter, in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> and when Sleppy told Johnny McBoyle about this, he said, forget about it. Never heard it? Look, look, 
You're not supposed to know. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't. Lydia, I love you, Lydia. You're bigger than you used to be. I like that shit on you. I hate those shoes. Now get out of my face and never say UFOs ever again. And I didn't tell you. Somebody else did. Kind of like a Casablanca type thing. I mean, I would say it is a matter of national security. I would have to agree with the government if aliens have landed, crash landed on... Uh uh, in America, that Absolutely. is a national security concern. Yes, it is. I mean, do you remember what happened when there was a fucking radio show in New Jersey yes. about aliens, War of the Worlds? There were riots. Hell, they did it once in Argentina, and six people died. Amazing. Yeah. Back when radio had real power. <laughs> Back when we could kill. Yeah, we're not killing anybody ah. on this show. But Johnny McBoyle's story was proving to turn out to be allegedly true for back at the crash site, gruesome discoveries were being made. Now, this is another heavily debatable area of the Roswell incident story. Most controversial, the least agreed upon, and the most contradictory. I mm. found, maybe, I don't know, eight, ten different completely contradicting reports as to what it what, as to what the bodies were, if there were even bodies, a lot of the body stuff comes to it comes to a second hand, sometimes even third hand, well, sometimes even outright speculation presented as fact. Yes, because some say they had an alive alien, and some say they don't, mm -hmm. and some say that they were hanging out of the console, and some say they weren't. Some say there was one lying in a field. It's like all of the shit. It's like none of it matches, and their descriptions of them don't match. Like Frank, like the people that originally saw the body say they look like traditional greys but then Frank Kaufman is just like no they're very elegant people and they have <laughs> they have slight almond eyes uh, slight almond like eyes yes but they're actually very sweet and they have ash colored skin well we were talking about this yesterday the reason why there's so many discrepancies in the Roswell story and why there's so many different ways to tell this story. Yes. Especially the Frank Kaufman thing is that every single researcher, there's been so much written about this. There's thousands been of pages that we have. We're not even skimming. Right. We just got through, we went through a couple of books. Thousands, tens of thousands of pages written about this. And, not, and that's not even counting all of the shit that's been written on the internet about this. That's just the books alone. And how many coast to coast episodes have been devoted to Roswell. But every UFO researcher wants to put their remix on it. They want to put mm -hmm. their spin on it. They want to put their part of the legacy into it. And everyone, so that it makes it more complicated as it goes because every person adds something. Look at Stanton Friedman. Mm -hmm. Stanton Friedman, because the whole this whole episode only began because we wanted to do Majestic 12. But we could not do Majestic 12 without covering Roswell first. But Stanton Friedman has one tiny section of Roswell, those Majestic 12 papers. He has turned a Thirty, he's turned it into a thirty-year career. Yeah, I mean, and it's a side quest. <laughs> That's like doing the thing in Final Fantasy VII, where you make the where you make the giant birds eat the eggs or whatever that yeah, shit is. Yeah, going like apple picking missions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, as far as the bodies go, allegedly, Glenn Dennis, a young mortician on duty at Ballard Funeral Home in Roswell, received a number of calls from the Roswell AAF mortuary officer asking about the availability of small caskets. 
The second call Dennis got was concerning various chemicals and what effects they would have on the blood and tissue of a deceased body and also what procedures should be done for preparing a body that has been exposed to the elements. And when you hear the details of what the crash scene was actually like, according to some people, you'll understand exactly why the base mortuary officer was at a bit of a loss. Well, yeah, you yeah. literally have the f- five tiny people that are all mashed up in different ways. And the first thing, you get a call from an army officer. It's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, yes, Miss uh, this, this is Colonel, uh, this is Colonel uh, Bubba Duck. I'm making it, I'm not making up a name, but let's say I'm making up a name. Can I get five children's coffins over right. to this field right now? It seems like if aliens land, do we have to give them a human funeral? No, they, this is one of those weird, t- like, New we- Mexico things that they threw in there being like, well, the government wanted to make sure they got a proper burial. They want an open <laughs> casket? I mean, what is, what's happening? <laughs> well, yeah. they wanted it. They needed to transport them somehow, and they thought it would be easier to transport them if they're transporting children's coffins. Yeah. Uh, that looks good know. for the government to just have a bunch of children's coffins lying around. Well, because the problem is that no one really wants to, like, fork one open and see what's inside, you yeah. know, because then you have to deal with all the, my son's still alive? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say, if you have lost one, uh, a loved one recently and you're in a coffin, just check it out. They might Always be alive. Check. I will you say this. Know. You never know. When I, when I die... And if I if I decide to be buried in a coffin, I am now saying this on the radio, so you are legally bound to it. Once every five years, you are to dig open my grave, it's open up the coffin, and make sure I'm still inside. I feel like you're just going to haunt all of us. Every five years, we're going to get together. <laughs> That's a part and of it. It's going to be like hey. I know what you did last summer, and it's going to be terrifying. Hey, so you know what time it is? It's five years coming up. Oh, gotta hey. go. <laughs> I'll get the shovels. <laughs> Yep, Whole time, just he's still dead. Just me smiling, but not have decomposed at all. <laughs> hmm, his nails are still growing. <laughs> now the bodies themselves were allegedly your classic grays. Of course, like like Henry said, there are some people that say differently. But really, the closest we can come to a consistent can uh, a consensus is that they were classic grays. Three feet tall, about forty pounds, huge heads with large eyes, or as one official put it, quote. Oriental or Mongoloid. It was a different time <laughs> period. Slightly racist, yeah. yeah. They said they were the eyes were deep set and wide apart. Like a Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> and in a detail that I've never actually heard before about the grays. Maybe you've heard this one, Henry. The skin was covered in a slight peach fuzz. Never heard that before. You've never mm, heard that? Once. It wasn't green, but rather a pinkish gray with stretchable skin with a mesh-like texture, not unlike that of an iguana. Someone's gilding the lily. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know who I blame? Frank I agree. Dr. Lejeune Foster, a renowned expert of spinal cord surgery and a former undercover FBI agent during World War II, was brought in to study the nervous systems of the mysterious creatures. I don't know what these are, but... They're fucked up. <laughs> That's They're your professional, yeah. Yeah, I'm a doctor. I've been a doctor for years. I'm, you know, I'm an expert in spinal cord injuries mm. and the nature of the human body, and all of these things are fucked to shit. And they give me the creepy weepies, and I'm about to shit my pussy. 
Okay, they're fucked up. They're fucked as shit. They give you the creepy jeepies, and you're about to shit your pussy. I got to get out of here. You're staying right. by those, those I just comments. want to be done. I absolutely, I'll sign them. I'm signing the form. This I'm is the official it. form. Yep, July 7th, 1947. I got to go because I have to clean all this goopy fucking bottom throw up out of my old hole here, okay? Because this yeah. is just, I am beside myself. I say don't even bother coming back. <laughs> no, she was understandably shaken by the experience and was told afterward that if she said anything, her medical license would be revoked and she would be killed. Jesus. She was often caught remarking for years upon years afterwards, someone in the government is trying to keep me quiet. Doesn't sound like they're doing a good job. <laughs> you seem to be talking an awful lot. Yeah, and it seemed like, from what the description was, it seemed like it was just something she would mutter to herself. I think her pussy's all full of shit. Yeah, well, She's I do believe that. Around, She's wiping pussy wrong. Full, her pussy's all full of shit, thinking about aliens 24-7. Government's trying to put a fucking muzzle on her. You like can be hygienic. some kind of dog. You can still be hygienic and She's think about aliens. She's got shit up in her pussy. Well, I don't, but I don't think that has anything to do with the alien invasion that happened during Roswell. Poor stinky Lejeune. I wish she could get her shit out of her pussy and, sure she- and, and be ready and, and, and be able to live for free. Flush yeah. it out. She could. <laughs> get a hose on it. All right. No. Pay a kid in the neighborhood a You quarter. cannot pay a child <laughs> to scoop. God damn it. In 1947, you could. Well, you could pay a kid to do a lot of stuff then. <laughs> Now, Dr. Lejeune Foster was not the first nor the last person involved with the Roswell incident to be threatened with physical harm or even death. And in fact, most people got a treatment one step further and were, to- and were told that not only they, but also their entire families would be killed. And it was said that even locals, such as Sheriff Wilcox, were drafted into the government goon squad, with many saying that Wilcox delivered death threats Personally, Wilcox, not so coincidentally, never ran for sheriff again and, according to family and friends, was said to have been absolutely destroyed by the entire experience. Well, Roswell Mm. got run over by the government at this point in time. Like, now it's like you literally have, like, normally I imagine there was a pretty healthy divide between the army base and... And the town proper, where the co- it was like a sleepy town, but maybe little skirmishes would happen. Like the three cops would come and kind of deal with, and it was a do with it. it was like it was very s- small beans. But now, literally, you have the sore on eye on you of the U.S. government, who has decided, like, well, m- maybe if it's not a UFO, it's something fucking top secret, mm-hmm. and they're showing up, and, and now you got to deal with them twenty four seven. It's going to ruin your life. Without you me. had one in here. You had one of those stinky fucking lizard ops right in this fucking studio. No. I can't over the phone. He was over the phone. Yeah. They don't come in here. No, you know why? They don't come, they they don't come in here. Tonight. You know why? Because this is a free speech zone. <laughs> mm. You see him tonight, you pants him. And you tell him what comes <laughs> from me. You will murder me. <laughs> but out of every witness, the one who was manhandled and hassled the most was that poor old sheep herder. Mac Brazel. Man, and he was just being Santa Claus with the whole thing. All he wanted to do was make his pigs fatter so the pushing was sweeter. Right. (laughs) On July 9th, the day after the original story broke, Mac Brazel was hauled up to the Roswell Daily Record by military personnel to completely retract the statement that he had given the day before about the flying saucer. 
Instead of reporting a 500-foot gouge strewn with pieces of strange otherworldly material, Brazel now claimed that what he found was actually nothing more than rubber, scotch tape printed with pretty little flowers, mm. tin foil, and wooden sticks. Not only that, but it was also confined to a much smaller area. They didn't need to make him s- say that he made a big to-do about finding a children's kite. <laughs> it sounds kind of fun. Yeah, in other words, it was simply the remnants of a weather balloon. Right. Now, let's just go ahead and start off here with the weather balloon story. And and the weather balloon story, uh, this is what points towards it being something. Rather than nothing, it doesn't point towards it being aliens. That it's not the because I will always say it points towards it being aliens, but that's me. I am now completely switched on this idea. Before I thought (laughs) Roswell was bullshit, but now I actually think that they found something from an extraterrestrial nature. Well, you're using Mm. the ignorance fallacy right Mm. now, saying that what you don't know is what you don't know, but what you know (laughs) is what you know, but what you don't know sometimes can be bigger than what you know. You sound like Donald Rumsfeld. I can't even deal with it. I'm just saying it's about what you know and what you. You don't know. No, you don't know. You don't know, but what is it that you don't know? I don't bigger know. Than what you know. Yeah, I, we can't go down this road. Something bigger. And that is the ignorance fallacy that what you right. don't know has to be what you want to know. No, what no, you no. Don't it's know some of what be... you need to know. <laughs> All right. But yeah. I'm on a need to know basis, but you know what I need to know? Everything. And there's a bunch of stuff I don't know. I'm, and there's a, stuff, yeah. a bunch of stuff that I do know is also highly debatable. But I do believe that the stuff I don't know is going to be more important than the stuff I know. Right. So what you don't because know because of how little I know. Sure, it makes all the sense in the world. But either way, the weather balloon story and the government's subsequent explanations of the story point towards this being something bigger. Whether it was, you know, some sort of experimental aircraft or whether it was whether it came from the Russians, the Americans, or something completely different. Something happened out there, and it was absolutely not a weather balloon. Here's a reason. Here's a few reasons why that story mm. doesn't hold weight. First of all, Roswell AAF launched two weather balloons a day from the base. Blay- water weather balloons are all up their ass. They've yeah. been looking at weather balloons fucking every day for years. They know what fucking weather balloons look like. Yeah, and Cav Cavett and Jesse Marcel, high-ranking intelligence officers, they know what a fucking weather balloon looks, looks like. Looks like a goddamn balloon. <laughs> I don't know what a weather balloon looks like. It's, it's a balloon. No. It's a, what what the the weather balloon that they used, it was a it was just a big balloon. It's got like a parachute thing on top of it and it's got radar markers yeah, on it. Yeah, it's got it's uh-huh. pretty much tin foil. Uh it's got like a big piece of tin foil on it. And second of all, not only did Cav Cavett and Jesse Marcel know what a weather balloon looked like, Mac Brazel knew what a weather balloon looked like. They sent out two a day. Every rancher and ranch hand in southeastern New Mexico knew what a weather balloon looked yeah, like. Yeah, they would spend their afternoon shooting at them. Right. <laughs> Isn't it always just like hot and sunny? In uh, New Mexico? No, 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 no. But it's that's not what the weather balloons are for. Technically, it's they're supposed to be guideposts for what will eventually become HARP. That's actually the true. That is a a true thing. But we'll talk about that uh, again for the rest of our lives. Allegedly Mm. true. Allegedly, (laughs) what I don't know is what I do know. Uh (laughs) Well, the government they're still going with at least a variation on this story to this day. The government would double down almost fifty years later in an almost one thousand page report called 
The Roswell Report, fact versus fiction in the New Mexico desert. I also believe that sometimes they make these reports the same thing with the 9-11 Commission. They make them so thick and boring so that people like us won't read them. Oh, and totally. you know what? We They're d- right. <laughs> they were right. Yeah, because most <laughs> of the report is about something called Project Mogul. A very, very, very little of the report is actually about the Roswell incident. They outline Project Mogul in its entirety because they say, no, it wasn't a weather balloon. It was Project Mogul, yeah, but Project a super Mogul secret weather balloon. It's a super secret weather balloon that was just twice as long as a normal weather weather balloon, and it was sent up to space with microphones on it in order to maybe hear when the Russians were testing nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. But also, they had a couple other things going on. They had Project High Dive, which is a thing that they would just send a man up into space and throw him out of the side of an airplane. <laughs> Literally, he would just <laughs> Not leave a the man, a dummy. No, and they were using live tests as well. Oh, they were using live tests, and so they were just sitting guys up there with a fucking fabric strapped to the back. I'm like, all right, well, see ya. <laughs> Hope you live. Well, because of that, we got Greg Luganus, <laughs> so that's very good. Well, the problem with both of those explanations, the problem with both of those, uh, specifically Mogul, is that Project Mogul, there was a newspaper article published less than a week after the Roswell incident outlining Mogul's exact purpose. We literally have it, and it's in one of the witness books. I have it. I I have a photocopy of the actual, and it outlines exactly what the government said Project Mogul was 50 years later. Uh, It just uh, didn't call it Project Mogul. So this was not, Project Mogul was not highly classified. And speaking of classified, if Project Mogul was highly classified and then declassified, there would be tons of paperwork not only paperwork about project mogul but there would also be paperwork about the paperwork and no such paperwork exists no paperwork <laughs> about the paperwork what i don't know is what i know and I what see. i know now is what i don't they know yeah. even, more paperwork on the teletype of theirs and even though the government said that the roswell report would be their final word on the subject two years later they released another, another report called the roswell report Case closed. Well, that's like say. every horror movie when they kill Jason at the end. You know this he's coming it. back. Yeah, yeah, And that addressed the subject of the bodies. And the Air Force claimed that the bodies were actually just flight test dummies from, what was it, Operation High Dive? Yeah, Operation High Dive. Yeah. And there was another one that was the same thing. And there was a, they did the same thing with monkeys. Yeah. They just took a monkey, strapped a parachute to it, and threw it out of the side of a fucking... Space shuttle. Is yeah. it possible they were just burnt monkeys? Well, yeah, well, well let's allegedly, allegedly. What you don't okay. know is oh. what you don't know, I, and it's invalid. Well, right. What only, I don't know is valid. Well, the only problem with that is that those operations didn't happen. Them throwing it because they said that the bodies were actually test dummies, and that's what people found. Mm. The only problem, that program didn't start till 1953. And not only that, the dummies were six foot tall and 175 pounds. But the other... but. The government, what they like to do is basically say that we're all idiots and that we are, they, they came out in 1953, they think that the, that everybody in Roswell, because there's a lot of retroactive eyewitness reports are coming back and doing interviews after the fact, they're saying they're doing all the shit. They call it time compression. Time compression, where they believe that people are seeing the, 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 the air dummies lying in the desert in the 50s and then applying them to the Roswell story. And it gets to a point where it's like, now nah, you're fucking, you're trying to tell me you're trying to change my reality mm-hmm. by telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's like I saw. It's I much easier not to see, though. I will say, you almost give, you almost relieve somebody from their memory, don't you? 
That you're now just, you're starting to sound like Fox News. Yeah. No, I mean this is yeah. what yeah. people are leaving like, us of the burden of memory. Yeah, now of, you're starting of to reality. Sound, now yeah. you're starting to sound like a disinformation agent. <laughs> no, this is all disinformation. <laughs> it's all disinformation. It is quite possible that it is all yeah. disinformation. It was the Russians the whole time. That's not. We'll it, get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into that next episode. But back to Mac Brazel, Brazel for just a second. After retracting his story with the newspaper, Brazel was reportedly kept under house arrest at Roswell AAF for a week was denied access to a phone and was given a rigorous army physical much to his protestation. A rigorous physical is the last thing you want to have to go through. That's a water pick and rubber gloves. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And he was said to be bitter about the experience for the rest of his life. But he couldn't have been too bitter for not long after the incident, Mac Brazel, who it must this must be reiterated lived in a no electricity no running water shack in the southeastern new mexico mm. desert suddenly showed up with a brand new truck Ooh. and abruptly resigned from a sheep herding position at foster ranch to start his own business well the, his Very etsy cool. shop must have really taken off <laughs> yeah it must have so, Bra- so it's actually a happy ending for Brazel. I, I mean, he did get possibly right. molested. He got mol- <laughs> no, he, he was vigorously yeah. physical. We'll, we'll yeah, put yeah. it this way. What happened to him is no worse than what happened to Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. <laughs> I suppose. So the government's Richard Gere? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, well, that's that's part one of Roswell. That That is, you know, the, a big, that is a huge part. We weren't able to get to the entire official story, but next episode we will give you just a little bit about Mac Brazel, what actually happened after the recovery of the crash, and then we'll tell you why all, why all of that Probably, probably bullshit. bullshit probably or bullshit. Or it's an extra dimension of conspiracy theory deeper than the official storyline. Yeah, which I think is the most likely, uh, the most likely story. There's obviously some sort of disinformation running through this whole story. The way they package it, the way they want us to, the way they attack the witnesses is very interesting. If mm-hmm. they really wanted to cover up a balloon project, which they weren't mm-hmm. even covering up in the first place, why would you go and threaten children with murder. Yeah. Relieve people from their memories. Ooh. Yeah. God. God. I like chills. Sounds oh, yeah, that sounds good. That just, yeah. I, All right. I, I can I'm see you. Sh- so you were in the, the same outfit doing it, but on a gigantic, like, like screen we, in the middle of Times Square. And yes. people going like, yes, yes, President Kissel. Yes, yes. President Kissel. Yeah. So you is, are relieved. So is Jose Bank like a, a magical word? <sighs> like, is it a magical Man. phrase that makes people forget, Ben? I don't know, but it's St. Patrick's Day and they're selling 23 for one on suit jackets. <laughs> 23 so for one. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I cannot wait to get more into this subject. Awesome yeah. job. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're picking through. Um, yeah, we're really picking through. Uh, first, I want to. First of all, I want to thank, uh, as always, research assistants Megan, Sammy, and Lana for helping out with this. Uh, they were invaluable. Uh, and I also want to uh, give a little shout out to longtime listener Beth Waldron, who's given, a, who's going through a real hard time right now. Chin up, you'll make it through. Hail Satan, Beth. Hell yep. Satan, if you see an alien product anywhere, keep on walking. Take Unless a picture. you want to get vigorously <laughs> physical. 
<laughs> put yeah. it in your pocket. Pick up a little piece of it, put it in your pocket. Don't tell anybody until you're 75 and then hand it to a scientist. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for supporting the Patreon. Yeah, go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. If you are already a Patreon supporter or if you become a Patreon supporter before this Sunday, we're going to be doing a full hour-long Q&A session. We're going to be answering you guys' questions live. We're going to be, if you go to your Patreon, every single Patreon supporter from the $1 person up to uh, the people who have given us a very generous amount of money who we love you very, very much. We love them all. Is, is this one of those, is this going to be one of those things where they can tip us and we have to jerk each other off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Is it a yeah. chatterbait type thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's a chatterbait. It's more of a ASMR thing where like we rub balloons and I, with... I, mm. I hope that you are feeling comfortable and I know that you are Ugh. special. That's creepy. <laughs> All right, find these guys on Instagram. Marcus Parks is at Marcus Parks. Henry, you're at Dr. Dr. Fantasty. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're also on Twitter at Henry Loves You. Marcus Parks is on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at, Mar- at Marcus Parks also. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, Double plug. Yeah, also plug. follow yeah. follow Last Podcast on the Left on Instagram at LP on the Left. And I just want to say thank you so much for the support I've gotten from the Netflix character special. Um, a bunch of people watched it and have reached out to me yes. and said very kind words. and means a lot to me. It's a project that ha- meant a lot to me personally. Personally, um, I it's it, it. Thank you and hail Satan. You guys are a beautiful bunch of people. That's Absolutely. great. And keep on supporting all the shows here on CCR. Marcus and I do a political one called Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, which is heating up because the world's burning down. Uh, <laughs> what ra- do you do when it's over? <laughs> what do you do when the <laughs> election's <laughs> over? I don't know. No, we, we'll we'll talk when to more election, CIA agents. This is our second election that we've gone through. We yeah. went through 2012. We came out of that just fast. No, we mm. elect a monster and then we talk about how many people they kill while they're in office, and then we go through the cycle again. Yeah, cool. that's pretty much all. <laughs> We do. Over and over and over. Yep. Again. And then if you want to feel like you're just drinking with some friends, listen to Roundtable of Gentlemen, uh, Sex and Other Human Activities, and Page 7 as mm-hmm. well for Celebrity Gossip. Absolutely, yeah. That's with Jackie Zabrowski. And if you uh, want to listen to my new music show, go to uh, mixcloud.com uh, slash Marcus Parks to go listen to the Lucky Bone Show and go follow. I have do- literally dozens of playlists over on Spotify. We're literally, we're too busy. <laughs> yeah, we are too busy. But you know but what I'll the great thing is? I love what I do. Yep, and CCR is... And I can is, see it. It's in your face. you got a twinkle in your eye. You're standing taller. You're mm-hmm. looking more confident. Your skin is clearer. Your teeth are the same. Yeah, teeth <laughs> are the same. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm deciding I'm keeping them. I'm keeping it <laughs> I just... Hope you keep I'm your keeping teeth. Them, yeah, what I'm you, keeping what, them just the way they is are. Is there an option? I've got a hole, and I'm keeping the hole. <laughs> All I'm not, right. I'm not replacing that tooth. Good. I lost that tooth, and it's gone, and it ain't coming Hell back, yeah. it's ladies. Like, it's like Deal get, with it. It's like getting a new dog after one dies. Don't do it, man. Just keep <laughs> yeah. the memory of the old dead one. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. Uh, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me. Congratulations, you fuck. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.
They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.